This episode is brought to you by Hot Dish Productions, an award-winning modern culinary production company. Learn more at hotdishproductions.com. This episode is brought to you by The Well-Traveled Palette, where your personal chef, Natasha Ho, teaches you to cook gourmet meals with global flavors. Learn more at heynatashaboo.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're turning an eye to food at its trickiest, from imitation olive oil to the pretensions of 3D printers. We were just doing like a birthday party for one of the employees and we printed a steak just for fun. You know, a grape Jolly Rancher isn't going to satisfy your craving for, for grapes. So, I mean, in a sense, it kind of multiplies the, the sensory qualities that we can love in the world. So basically you culture the cell, in a bioreactor, it grows, and then ultimately at the end, you come out with a piece of meat. Tune in to Meat in 3, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for joining us for this hour of Eat Your Heartland Out. I'm your host, Capri Cafaro. On today's show, we meet some pioneers of the pay what you can cafe movement throughout the Midwest. In South Dakota, we visit Fork Real Community Cafe, where local lawyers dine alongside the homeless. In Ohio, we head to Fennel and Time, a meal prep business committed to paying it forward for those in need. And now we welcome our first guests out of Grand Rapids, Iowa. Aaron Amundsen, Program Director of Groundswell Cafe, and Clint Tweed-Bell, Executive Director of Matthew 25, the nonprofit organization behind Groundswell. Well, uh, thank you both uh, Aaron and Clint for joining me today on Eat Your Heartland Out, um, talking about uh Groundswell um, out in uh, in Iowa, and and um, a concept that I am really in love with about uh, you know sort of what I am referring to as the pay it forward uh, food movement. Um, so, Aaron, I want to start with you. Uh, maybe you can uh, tell us about uh, Groundswell's mission and how it started. So, Groundswell, how it really started is we we were in an event space and we were doing many events, but we had this kitchen and Clint is always such a visionary. He saw this kitchen that was being underutilized and he said, man, we need to use this and create a restaurant. And he kept coming to me with this because I had 15 years of, of restaurant experience. And I mm-hmm. kept telling him, I kept telling him, no, to be honest, <laughs> um, <laughs> you don't understand how hard it is to open a restaurant, how many restaurants fail, you know, the risk and that sort of thing. Um, and so we, we sat on the idea for a moment and then he brought in a volunteer and we started to think through how it could be more than just a restaurant, but a mission. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's where the pay it forward concept came from. Um, and, and once I realized that it was something that we were going to do, that was going to help so many people and, also be just a, a special place for a lot of people, then I jumped on board and I've been, I've been happy to be doing this ever since. Amazing. Uh, so 
So Clint, talk talk us through the the mission. You're the executive director and and Groundswell is kind of, I don't want to say part of, but I guess part of uh, a larger sort of nonprofit uh, organization there. Um, What is the mission of Groundswell um, for, for the local community? Yeah, so we had done free lunches um, years before we started the restaurant. And the reason was that we're, we're about neighborhood revitalization and we're located in neighborhoods where 90% of kids are on free and reduced lunches, where uh, 60% of kids are overweight or obese. And we were doing free lunches and we were feeding people just horrible food that was bad for them. And so we'd had this vision for a long time of how do we shift the food culture in a neighborhood? How do we help people to have access to good, healthy food um, as one of the building blocks for the neighborhood? And so really that's where this whole vision sprang from is like, how do we shift the food culture in this neighborhood? So how do you, how does Groundswell uh, do that? Um, you know, what makes it special and different from maybe a, a traditional food bank or a soup kitchen or, or something like that? Yeah, so you have to understand that um, the neighborhoods where we're located in, like one of the neighborhoods, the places where people get their food is three convenience stores and three bars. So they talk about food swamps, you know, places of high calorie, unhealthy food. Um, We wanted to do something different. So we created a restaurant that's focused on fresh, healthy, good food, soup, salad, sandwiches um, that are organic or locally uh, sourced things that are going to help people to, to feel good. And, um, and then we said, okay, how do we create this in a way that um, is a norm, has a component that's a normal business model where people come in and they pay for their food, but also a component where anybody that wants to can walk in the door, take a card, hand it to us, and get their meal for whatever they can afford to pay. And so that's what we've created and it's this cool place of synergy between those that can afford to pay those that can pay extra and those that can't pay anything that need to come in and get good food amazing so so aaron um how does so if somebody walks in um and and clint kind of walked us through this but give us a little bit more detail as far as you know if you were to come into the restaurant and you wanted to order um, but you don't have an ability to pay. How would that work? So um, right by the front door, we, we have a sign that, that really gives you two options. Um, it says, you know, welcome to Groundswell. We're, we're happy to have you here. If you're able to pay, um, you can leave. And we put in quotation marks a tip. Um, and we use the same, you know, we just use like square um, for, for a system. So when people tip, though, Instead of it going to into our pockets, into our staff's pockets, it goes into this fund that we build up and that we collect until it gets used. And so um, someone who comes in who, who can afford a meal, they simply grab a card, which we have right in the restaurant, right at the front of the building and at the register. And they don't even have to say a thing. Um, they can come. They can order off the same menu as everybody else order a meal and a drink. And if they just simply hand me the card, that's all they have to do. Um, That way they don't have to, if they don't want to, they don't even have to ask. Um, We're we're just really trying to to make sure that people feel like 
they're they're respected and they're not being looked down upon. Sure. Um, so, you know, I and that's such an important part, in my opinion, uh, having to, you know, this part of this whole concept of paying it forward to these community cafes. Um, and, um, you know, to me, it's about that building that community rapport, but also having that dignity uh, intact. And so, um, you know, it sounds like it's a relatively discreet process in, in at least your context, uh, where, you know, anybody can basically go up. Yes, they'll provide, you know, the cashier, the server, whomever, this card. But, you know, you're not separating out those in need, so to speak, versus those that can't, those that pay versus those that can't. Mm-hmm. So, so um, is this a co- concept that is caught on in your community? How do people know uh, that this is a service, so to speak, that's that's available to them? Um, you know, is it word of mouth? Have you advertised? Um, how how have you educated the community about this? Um, a lot of ways that we've educated the community are just like your typical small restaurant ways. We we um, advertise on social media. We've got into papers, we've done mailings of that sort. Um, the, the way that we've really reached out to our um, lower income or homeless community is we've, we've actually, um, we've made contacts with the local shelters as well as um, other places that provide services. And we've even brought like people from the shelter there was one time where we, we bust in a whole group of people from the shelter just mm. to feed them breakfast. And, and so those things happen. And especially in the homeless community, word of mouth is key. They, there is a community that helps each other out there. And so um, really we, we have people who show up very, very often that it's their first time. But, but they've heard it from someone else and they already know what they're going to order because someone said, man, I get this every time and I just love it. Uh, that's, that's incredible. So are, are you able to, um, you know, track the type that, you know, who is coming from where or what their needs are, or do you not take that data into account? We, we purposefully don't take that data. Um, we, we do a no mm-hmm. questions asked simply because we try to keep it discreet and we're, we're trying like our goal is just to make people feel welcome. Like Groundswell is a safe place for them where they can get treated with dignity and respect and, and, and even love. And so when they come into our restaurant, we want to give them as normal of a restaurant experience as we possibly of course. can. That's, that is just wonderful. And it sounds like the community has really, um, gravitated towards uh, towards this. What's next on the horizon? Do you plan on expanding? Or um, I know that COVID has, has obviously slowed some things down a little bit, but um, you know, how, how do you see things going forward with Groundswell? Yeah, well, like, like Aaron said, we're never one to just kind of sit back and not have a vision for what comes next, right? So we have a, an urban farm that's about two and a half acres uh, that's a quarter mile away from the cafe, and that supplies some of our food. We want to keep um, continuing to expand that and supply more of our food on our own. And then we have a, a, uh, another building that we've purchased that's not far from the urban farm or the cafe that uh, will be turning into a nonprofit grocery store, which will also have uh, more of a pay-it-forward concept so that people can get good fresh uh, produce oh, well. that they need 
for their homes as well. Can you tell me a little bit more about the the grocery store concept? Because that is, you know, again, you guys are taking things like food banks and soup kitchens and turning them into something that is a different, more, you know, um, you know, dignified experience, I, I think, for those in need. Yeah, so we're, um, we're just getting ready to launch this. So we're still working through the business concept and all of that. But essentially, we are trying to create a grocery store that will be much smaller than what people have come to know many grocery stores as being much more at the human scale. Um, and it will have fresh produce sourced from our, our farm as well as other local growers and then the full line of grocery products. Some, uh, some produce will also be mm-hmm. donated. Um, and so we'll have at least a section of the grocery store, if not kind of distributed throughout the grocery store, these pay it forward items. Again, it will be, uh, we're looking at a concept where people can um, pay, they'll just naturally pay a little bit more than what, uh, than what the normal price would be. And then that will go into a fund to pay for other people's groceries that can't afford it. So all of this is built on this belief that, you know, we're moving towards a place of a shared economy um, where people who have a little extra can give a little extra to support those who are in need. And it can become kind of this natural organic system where people are helping each other. Yeah. Uh, Clint, I like the way I like to say it often is um, we what we provide is really a way for the community to help out the community. That's wonderful. And, and it sounds like at least that, you know, in your context that, um, you know, other community members that can share more have, have heeded that call. Yeah. We live in such an incredible, generous community here in Cedar Rapids. It's like people, it's not unheard of for people to walk into the cafe and decide that they're going to drop a hundred dollars into the, tip jar or to, you know, we've had local corporations that have decided that they're going to underwrite us to the tune of like $15,000 a year. So the generosity wow. is pretty unbelievable. Well, it's, it's, it's definitely what I would refer to as Midwestern uh, hospitality and, and, you know, always trying to lift each other up, which is, you know, so much of what at least I interpret as Midwestern values. Um, although, it, you know, uh, everyone can can possess them regardless. So it, this has just been such a, a wonderful story. And I'm so glad uh, that Cedar Rapids has groundswell. And I look forward to learning about everything else you all are doing as you continue to grow your mission um, to, you know, try to um, provide for those in, in need in your area. So Aaron and Clint, thank you for taking the time. This episode is brought to you by Hot Dish Productions, an award-winning modern culinary production company specializing in creative digital video, photography, and podcast production. From concept through post-production, Hot Dish creates and produces compelling food stories that ignite the chef in all. Hot Dish Productions has deep connections to award-winning and celebrity chefs and over 20 years experience. Their team has won both a James Beard Award and an IACP Award for their work in food media. Hot Dish Productions delivers the highest quality product at a fair value. 
Let them help tell your culinary story today. Explore their work and learn more at hotdishproductions.com. This episode is brought to you by the Well-Traveled Palette, where your personal chef, Natasha Ho, teaches you to cook gourmet meals with global flavors. Bring more variety, ease, and fun to your meals by boosting your confidence in the kitchen. Ready to get cooking? Text the word FLAVOR to 66866 to set up your complimentary first session. Sharpen your skills and bring new life to every meal by texting FLAVOR to 66866 to set up your complimentary first session with Natasha Ho of the Well-Traveled Palette. Welcome back to Eat Your Heartland Out. We're now joined by Rhonda Piercy, founder of Fork Real Cafe in Rapid City, South Dakota. Rhonda, thank you for joining the show all the way from South Dakota. Thank you very much. Well, it's our pleasure. And uh, you're here to talk about um, your initiative called Fork Real. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, the concept behind Fork Real and where you came up with the name. Absolutely. So Fork Real Cafe is a nonprofit. We're a pay-what-you-can cafe. That means anyone and everyone that comes through our doors has an opportunity to have a, a warm meal. So whether you uh, want to volunteer for your meal or whether you're paying for your meal or even paying it forward by paying for someone else's meal, uh, Fork Real is a place that our, our whole community gets to come and not worry about their social economic background. So Fork Real Cafe came to be the name uh, and sharing what we wanted to bring to Rapid City and the community. Um, we sat down with just friends and family just to, to share what we wanted to do. And so um, we brought people together at the table. We believe we can solve anything at the table. And so with our friends, many of our friends said, is that for real? <laughs> like someone could actually just come in and pay for a meal or not pay for a meal? And my husband took his fork and said, that's fork real. <laughs> and that is clever and easy to remember. Um, so uh, how did you decide, what inspired you to, to you know, put this pay as you, uh, pay it forward, uh, pay what you can cafe uh, in, into reality? Yeah, so I, um, a former teacher, saw a lot of students come through uh, the doors who were hungry and so uh, knowing that the academics was an important piece, it was more than that. And so knowing that our, our students may not be focused on learning that day, they were really um, thinking mm. about the meal and the food or what was going on at home. And so um, that was kind of the, the first piece. And many of my students received bags of food um, from Phoenix, South Dakota, which was great. They got to take some, some food home, but a lot of it in my eyes, it was really kind of crappy food. Mm -hmm. and so things in cans and preservatives. And that, that's kind of the whole purpose of, of those type of foods is to be able to stay on the shelf for a long time. They're not necessarily the most nutritious, nor are they the most healthiest uh, for students to, to have a, be in clear mind. And so um, kind of started from there and part of my master's program as well, looking at how sugar affects the students' in the classroom. Mm. So 
That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So it, it started there and with the students and um, we, my original research paper was on how would, um, would, would family dinners affect the students. And it was hmm. amazing that our students, though a lot of them were lower in social economic status, still sat down and ate together. They just didn't have necessarily the most healthy meals. And so, um, so we talked about having family dinners and created that. And so for three years, we had family dinners. Um, the students, we brought food in, we sent out letters to families and said, this is what we, that they had created and what they wanted to prepare for those meals. Uh, and we asked for donations and those who could mm. provide it and those who didn't, didn't. And so the meals were all free during this, this piece. Um, and families just came. So those who could come could come and those who, who didn't. It was interesting at, at that piece that the students created kind of the do's and don'ts. And one of the don'ts is they said no electronics. So that was pretty interesting. Interesting that they, they actually took the initiative. You never, you always hear about how young people, um, even, even thus older people, um, uh, you know, are attached to our phones. So that's, that's encouraging that, you know, there is this recognition that, you know, community is built around the table and built around food. Um, and then certainly, you know, your commitment at, you know, Fork Real Cafe to try to bring, you know, more nutritious food to individuals that may not necessarily have regular access to them and may not be able to to afford them either. Um, so you, you, when we started our conversation, you were talking a little bit about how the, the process works. This is a restaurant. It's not a uh, a soup kitchen, for example, or, you know, that sort of thing. It's a different model. And, um, you know, it's actually a place where you can go and sit down and, and have a meal and you don't necessarily know who's who, um, you know, as far as who's a quote unquote paying customer and who's not. And I recall you telling me a little bit about the location of Fork Reel and and some of the clientele that it attracts. Is that right? It's near uh, across from the courthouse? Correct. Correct. So we wanted to be Downtown-ish, I should say, um, because we are a nonprofit, we couldn't afford to be downtown, <laughs> downtown. Um, so we're on, just on the outskirts, and we are behind the courthouse. So um, those who come in to eat are judges, lawyers. Uh, we have families. We have people with homes and people without homes. So it's truly the community. It's it's all over. We want um, our location was very important because we needed to be. A, we couldn't be too far north, too far south, too far east. Um, mm-hmm. We'd be pretty central where people were walking because a lot of our um, those who volunteer for their meals um, walk here, and so we need to have that access. If you had a car, obviously you can you can drive here, and so so yeah. So our location is, is very important to the community. And, and you know, it's interesting. You you mentioned uh, you know individuals can volunteer for their their meals, and that's a little bit different than some of the other folks that we've talked to here on this program, or that have done you know community cafes type of things. That you know sometimes there's a voucher system, uh, or people tip, and then you know those tips kind of go into a communal pot to help uh, defray the cost of those that can't afford meals. But but your uh, approach is a little bit different because uh, you know, individuals can volunteer. Um, how does that look? Because, you know, that may raise some eyebrows that, you know, it may, um, you know, sort of single people out as, you know, here's a person volunteering and that's somebody that, you know, is working for their food. But at the same time, it's a volunteer run organization. So like walk us through this process and, and sort of, and also 
the uh, the thought process behind having volunteerism as part of the um, sort of the earning process for your for your meal. So we have volunteers all around. We have volunteers that walk through our front doors uh, who volunteer for their meals. And we also have people who walk through the back door. And those are volunteers who regularly come in and volunteer. So volunteers are all over the place. Um, and you really can't tell the difference between one volunteer and another. Um and that's one piece, too, that we are heavily dependent on the volunteers who who work just to work to volunteer and those who work for their meal. So the big piece behind that is you build relationships. So we're building relationships with all of our volunteers, the ones that come through the back door and the ones who come through the front door. And you build those relationships when you volunteer together. And so when you're washing tables together and you're washing dishes together, when you're prepping food in the back together, when you're vacuuming together, when you're doing all of those things, that's how we truly build community and build relationships with, with people who are in our community. And so we can feed people and they could come in and walk out the door, but you build relationships when you're able to spend more time with them. And so that's probably one of the biggest keys that we want. We want to be able to build relationships um, with our community. We're not necessarily here to fix everything and everyone. Um, I have a lot of issues, and so no one's here to fix me. <laughs> and so um, we have things going on, but we can walk beside people, and that's really what we want to do. We also want to be connected with the community that if we're if we know that there's some something someone's going through, we can connect them with others. We don't have to be doing everything here at the cafe, but what we do is food and people. And so that's, that's where we want to hone in on um, connecting with people. And so that's through volunteer. And also when you have an opportunity to volunteer for your food, you're, you're working in exchange. So you're not receiving a handout you are, you're working for it. And so you earned it. Right. Sure. Um, I mean, and it's, this is why it's so interesting to have these conversations because, you know, there are a lot of people are now, and a lot of communities are, are looking to do this, what I'm calling it, like a pay, pay it forward food movement, um, you know, and trying to shift the paradigm away from, you know, soup kitchens and handouts without dignity and, and, and trying to, you know, make these, uh, community settings that are welcoming and inviting and and equitable uh, in many ways for individuals that may be in need rather than marginalizing them further and, and that's that's what I love so much about these these concepts like yours and, and like others that we've been talking to across the the Midwest um, and so uh, you know how does how do you get your food I, and you know you're I know you're focused on providing nutritious food? Is there, you know, a, a donation process? Do you have a relationship with grocery stores or farmers markets? How do you source, um, you know, the, the foods that you make? We actually purchase uh, the majority of the food that we have. We do have during the summertime uh, and fall when our community have, uh, and just individuals have uh, grown an abundance of produce. They will bring in oh. the produce and so forth. Um, we have to run just like a normal kitchen, and so we have guidelines, health guidelines here. So we can't. There are things that we can't take, and things that we can take, and so things that get donated have to go through somewhat mm -hmm. of that process. And we we will pass on if some someone we tell them we'll take anything, uh, and we'll share with them. We have guidelines, uh, and we will either sadly some things do have to go yeah. in the trash, uh, 
but there are other times that we love all the all the produce that comes in and they those who are gardening and have an abundance of things, they love it. And there are a lot of times they're like, what can you do with zucchini? We can do I was just going to say, I feel like it's a, it's always, you know, the mutant large like squash that like, <laughs> it's like, I have so many zucchini. Yes. Yes. So we take it all. And then even the herbs and so tomatoes that come in and we will preserve that. We actually roast them and then we will freeze them and save that for other soups and our sauces that we use. So we try to be really efficient with it, but there are guidelines that we have to follow. So things that we can take in, uh, meats and so forth, everything has to be USDA. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's wild game and so forth, it's it's a different criteria and so forth. Right. But we do purchase, the majority of our food we do purchase. We try to purchase local when we can. Here in South Dakota, we have snow on the ground a lot. So we don't have crops growing year round, but we do... Uh, Western Dakota Tech is one of our um, partners, and they have a, a hydroponic garden. Mm. So uh, they're growing lettuce year-round, and so they do bring us lettuce from there. Black Hills Works uh, is a community, and they also have a hydroponics garden. Um, and when they're growing, they grow theirs more during the summertime in the greenhouse. Uh, and so they, they bring their produce, and we purchase some of the produce from them as well. Mm-hmm. How so? How outside of um, you know the foot traffic that you talked about in uh, you know near the downtown area, you know people just coming in and you know looking to to have lunch. How do people in need learn about um, you know the uh, fork reel, how it works, and how they can access a meal um, for free? So it's interesting. We are um, with two and one. So if you call two two and one. Uh, we're listed with them. We also partnered with um, other organizations in our area. So uh, Love Inc. knows uh, what we're doing here. And so they, they may or may send people. And, and what, what do they do? Love Inc. is an organization, Love in the Name of Christ. Mm-hmm. And they work with churches to really mobilize them. And so to work in the community. What are the needs in the community? And, and try to help that. They have classes financial classes, nutritious classes, and other things like that. And so uh, if they're working with a family and they know that they're in need, uh, they will send them down. Sometimes they'll call. There's a, a place called the Hope Center here. Mm-hmm. It's a day for those who are homeless, uh, a place for them to hang out. Of course, COVID is a, a little bit different here. But um, we have connections there. And so our friends there will call us and say, hey, I've got a family. I'm going to send them your way. Uh, and we don't ask them even to volunteer. We tell them how the program works and if they want to come back another time. But at that time, they're guests of the Hope Center or mm-hmm. guests of the And so that's that's a big difference too is um, being referred to. So if someone's working with a family and they know that they're in need, they can give us a call. We do also do meal services pickup. So um, if we're referred to by a company, then they can actually call us uh, and we'll have meals ready for them. Wow. Um, the one thing that's probably different is we are not, because we're not that handout, handout, if we were handing something out for free, um, it doesn't mean, I think sometimes we have our, our stats a little off when we say there were a hundred people standing in line for this free, whatever. And that means there were a hundred people in need. Well, not necessarily. It means that there were a hundred people that want it free, whether that was in need or not. Hmm. Um, I tell the story that my husband if Best Buy was giving TVs away, he would be standing in line. <laughs> For him and a lot of other people too. <laughs> yes. So he doesn't necessarily need one. And so um, 
when I believe word on the street spreads really fast. There are a lot of people, if you don't have a car or you don't have a home, a lot of our homeless do have phones. And so they will connect really quickly with others. And so if there is something given away for free and they're in need or not in need, um, they'll get the word out by phone. And so we believe the word is out on the streets as well that, hey, you can come into Fork Rio. Uh, you're going to do a little bit of work. And so we don't have lines of people waiting to get food because we do have a mission that's close by and that is an option. So that's not our option, um, but that is an option. And so we have people that come in and don't mind talking to us and don't mind working with us and, and want to sit down and have a really good meal. And so I think that's a, a bit of what's different than just handing out free food um, is a relationship building. And, and sometimes that's scary too. Well, and, and, but, you know, I think, you know, sometimes it's important to, you know, um, challenge people's perspectives and boundaries and, and, you know, uh, have an opportunity, as you said, to have people with homes and without homes sitting with one another and uh, talking and understanding one another um, through sharing what we all uh, have to do, which is eat. Um, and um, I think that that really can change people's perspectives. When you have an opportunity to understand other people in your community, um, you really can, you know, respect you know, uh, how people walk in their own shoes. And, and like you said, you're not necessarily fixing people, but you are providing them with, with a unique opportunity on both sides, you know, building that, building that rapport, that relationship and, and that community building. And, you know, the, the fact that you have these other community organizations um, as partners really builds that capacity as well, the local level, that grassroots level, which is, you know, really um, very important to, to any sort of success for, you know, uh, any community service. Uh, this has really just been a, a wonderful uh, chat, Rhonda. I'm so glad that we've had an opportunity to learn a little bit more about Fork Real, and we'll definitely keep our eye peeled on what you have next in store for your community there in South Dakota. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to Eat Your Heartland Out. Our final guest this hour is Stacy Davis, owner of Fennel and Time Cafe in Canal Fulton, Ohio, my home state. Stacy, thank you for joining uh, me today on Eat Your Heartland Out. And tell us a little bit about how you got your start, um, you know, first in, in food and then uh, in this this new way to help people. Well, thank you very much for having me on your show. I'm very humbled by that and uh um that uh I, that you saw the program so that's great um I got into food basically when I was 16 <laughs> I've been working in restaurants and um just various jobs in food uh my whole life so um with a few few variations in between of trying different things but I always came back to food so I've been doing that since I was 16, either waitressing or cooking, one thing or the other. But you started a meal prep business, right? Yes. Um, uh, about three years ago, I started a meal prep business um, in the basement of a uh, local center um, owned by a church. They do community meals out of there. So they did that a couple times a month. Um, so I went in and I just asked him if I could rent their commercial kitchen to run my business out of. And and they they were happy to let me uh, rent that space. Uh, 
so that I could get started with minimal startup costs in my own food business because it's pretty hard to <laughs> buy all that equipment all at once. So that was a good jump start. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that's that's lucky that you had uh, something like that in, in your backyard to be able to utilize and, and rent because no question, you know, the brick and mortar of, of putting together that kind of a catering business or a restaurant is really heavy financial lift. Um, but, you know, you really kind of turned your passion for food into a passion for helping people um, because you learned about this concept of a community cafe. Wh where did you get this idea? Um, I, as I was there for a few years, um, I met lots of people um, from the church next door or the volunteers that worked there and um, got to know them and what they did and the, you know, hearing about the needs in the community. And um, the director, um, she asked me, because she asked me what my goals were, if I was planning on staying there, or I said, well, I'd like to have my own cafe or restaurant someday. And she goes, why don't you look into what a community cafe is? And I was like, Okay, so I just kind of was like, okay. So then I looked it up and I just got really fascinated by researching that. And more I knew, the more I knew that's where I wanted to go with my business. Mm -hmm. um, so I visited several in the not really local area because there's not any closer than two hours for me, but um, in Pennsylvania and Kentucky and one in Ohio. Uh, so visited with the owners because I was really interested in actually opening a community cafe style um, where people you have people volunteer um, and, you know, they you, they receive donations. So if you can't afford to pay for a meal, um, you can pay what you can afford. Um, and that's their concept. So that's what I wanted to do. But um, with with mine, I had limitations of space where I when I eventually found a new place I had some limitations of space and mm -hmm. legal um, things because I still owned a for-profit business so right <laughs> so we just decided collectively I had a board formed and we all just kind of collectively decided to um, go ahead with doing a pay it forward concept which in the end the goal is is still the same idea of feeding people so <laughs> Sure. And, and it is, you know, your situation is a bit unique because, it, you know, a lot of other type of community cafes are 501c3 nonprofit organizations. You know, you really, you still do operate a business, you know, um, and uh, so it is a little bit different in that regard. Um, how exactly does it work? So if somebody wanted to come in uh, who couldn't afford a meal, um, you know, how are they able to um, to access that. Walk us through it um, if we were somebody coming into your uh, establishment. Right. So um, we we have in where my um, business is, it's divided. It's 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 actually a um, a century home that they turned into a commercial building. So on one side we have the cafe. Uh, when you walk in, we have the dining area. Um, if you go straight in down the hallway, there's like the restroom. And then on the right, we have like the counter where you go in and pay. And we have where people pick up their meals in a bakery area. Um, so in, in our hallway, we have um, a wall of donated meals. They're vouchers. That's the way we chose to do it. So mm -hmm. um, 
So if somebody comes into the cafe and they can't afford to pay, we we always we have everybody go into the counter room to pay for their meals and that way they pass through the hallway and nobody knows um it's very discreet if they need a voucher they can pull one off the wall and nobody it's 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 just um we try to do it discreetly so everybody goes in there to pay um and and so if somebody wants to pay for a voucher they can buy one there at the counter and hang it on the wall and leave a little message for people of encouragement or they can just walk through there grab one off the wall and pay with that voucher for their meal. Mm-hmm. How long have you been actually doing this pay it forward in this manner? Oh, we're very new. <laughs> um we we started in um late January, so um So literally like I mean, <laughs> it's like only a few months old. Yeah. Um wow. So uh my business, we, we moved, we expanded and moved my business to the new um, location uh, last year in the summer. So that was a little stressful, but we made it, <laughs> we made it in the middle of a pandemic, but that's when people need that. So um, the, the community um, where they do the community meals, we saw that um, before the pandemic, they were feeding uh, 40 people um each meal and now it's over 200 meals that they go through yes so um significant increase because of the you know the changes in circumstance because of of the economy and COVID exactly Mm -hmm. wow Uh, how do folks learn about your I mean outside of how I saw it on tv (laughs) but uh you know how how do the people in your in your immediate community there in Canal Fulton which again is kind of outside of Canton for for people that may be familiar with Ohio um how how do folks know that they can participate and and visit Fennel in Time well we've had a really good outpouring of people um contributing and just really find out about it word of mouth and we do advertise on um Facebook um we have that. And then since we're so new and people don't really understand what it is, where they can come, we've been um, putting brochures at the salt box and different places to let people know that we we have food available if they need it um, for a And meal. what's the salt box? Oh, the salt box is the community um, building that I rented. It's a it's an acronym. <laughs> it's serving and loving others. So that's I see to get together serving and loving. Oh, that's wonderful. That <laughs> that is wonderful. So I I think I recall when we when we first spoke, you also mentioned that you know since you do meal meal prep, you've also enabled uh you know takeout and those sort of things for particularly for larger for families. Is is that right? Right. We do offer vouchers um for the uh family meals. So that's kind of where we're different than other restaurants cuz most places don't do meal prep, but we uh, we have people that purchased vouchers for an entire um meal for four people with, you know, like a meat or a main and then sides and salad and a, a roll of bread. We make our own bread, so and and that's been popular as well. Yes, yes, and we're um, we're actually making a plan to reach out to the local schools to let people know that we have that available as well. So, oh, that's great. That's 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 great. Um, you know, to be able to let uh, 
families know that because so many children, especially during the time where there has been this remote learning going on, not having that access to, you know, school lunches or breakfast at school has really been a hardship for many. And that's that's the part, too, that we are um, proud of, that we can offer um, not just, you know, food, which a lot of food that um, people that eat are struggling, they're eating either box food or, you know, not something special like homemade, but gathering together because the statistics show that a lot of people don't eat together. So it gives people an opportunity to sit down, Mm -hmm. you know, and and eat together. So building communities, feeding people um, and doing it with, uh, you know, some dignity, which, you know, is the real theme of uh, this pay it forward movement, as far as I can tell. Uh, anything else you want to tell us, Stacy, on on where where we're, you're going in this um, pay it forward food movement? It is something that, um, as I was researching things, I just I guess I just would want people to know that we wrote we write on our vouchers that you know you are loved by a neighbor, and we just want people to feel like you know there's there's so much negativity. (laughs) Um, So that we just want people to know that, you know, you're loved by people in your community and God. And we just want um, people to know that they can come and have a meal, spend some time together. And, you know, a lot of people aren't going to go to church. So, you know, maybe they'll come in and have a meal together, or you know, share some time together with other people. So I guess that's my, my hope for everything. (laughs) Well, and that's a that's a great hope, and I think you know one that that we can all t- uh, aspire towards is you know making sure that we we love our neighbor and let them know it as well. And food is a wonderful way to do that. Stacy, thank you for sharing your story, uh, and thank you for what you're doing for the community out there in thank Canal you. Fulton. Thank you for having me on your program. Eat your heartland out is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.